Like I said, today we're in John chapter 9, which means we're going to start in Isaiah 29. Because you've got to read Isaiah if you're reading John. Why are we doing that? What are we doing that for? Well, I want to set the scene and I want to set the stage of what was going on in the culture. The Jewish leaders had um, the Babylonian captivity happened. And while they were in Babylon, they were looking back and they were like, how could this happen? We're God's chosen people. And so they read at that time, they read a lot of the prophets because the prophets predicted this. So they read a lot of Isaiah. They read a lot of Jeremiah. And, and you can read in Daniel where Daniel was reading the book of Jeremiah, and he saw where Jeremiah had predicted what was happening to Daniel right then and there. Isn't that wild? So this whole concept of Bible times, yeah, Bible times span about well, 2,000 years. There's a lot of time in Bible times. But Daniel was reading Jeremiah during Babylonian captivity, and that kind of gives you a stage of what they were in. And during that time, they, they were like, we don't ever want this to happen again. Because the Babylonian captivity was terrible. A lot of people were killed. Um, a lot of people starved to death. It was uh, just really sick and gruesome, some of the stuff that happened to, to them. Um, and that's where Daniel and Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, they were, they were the youngest and the smartest and most brilliant and they were probably made into eunuchs and brought to serve in the king's court. And just, like I said, terrible stuff. So in that time, the Jewish leader said, how can we make sure this never happens again? And they said, well, we broke the law. And God is making us suffer because we broke the law. And we have to make sure nobody ever breaks the law again. And so let's make more rules about the law so that they won't even get close to breaking the law because they won't break all these rules about the law. We need to protect the law with a whole bunch of rules. And so that's what they did. And they made up all these rules and they made up all these laws. But then they also got some hope as they were reading Isaiah and as they were reading Jeremiah. And they read things... Like this. This is uh, Isaiah chapter 29, verse 15. You who hide deep from the Lord your counsel, whose deeds are in the dark, and who say, who sees us and who knows us? You turn things upside down. So Isaiah is saying, you give advice to each other and you have wisdom and you keep it secret like God doesn't know what you're doing. Like saying, here's how you get an extra, you know, here's how you cheat. Here's how you steal. Nobody will ever see this. Here's how you do this. Thing. Here's how you manipulate these people. Do this and that. Thinking that God's not going to see. You turn things upside down. Shall the potter be regarded as the clay that the thing made should say of its maker, he did not make me or the thing formed say of who formed it. He has no understanding. Kind of like saying God doesn't care if we do this or that. 
should the thing that got made say such a thing about the maker that made it to say that God doesn't care about this or that or God, uh, he has no understanding. God doesn't understand this stuff. He overlooks it. That's what they're saying. Is it not a very little while until Lebanon shall be turned into a fruitful field and the fruitful field will be regarded as a harvest? He's saying when the Messiah comes, Lebanon, desert, is going to be like a field. It's going to be like a forest. Huge. In that day, the deaf shall hear the words of a book. And out of their gloom and their darkness, the eyes of the blind shall see. People that couldn't hear are going to suddenly hear the words of God. People that were blind are going to receive their sight and be able to see the works of the Lord. This is what's going to happen when the Messiah comes. The meek shall obtain fresh joy in the Lord, and the poor among mankind shall exult in the Holy One of Israel. Just like in our culture today, poor people were looked down upon. That guy's poor, he must be a drug addict. That means he must be unrighteous, and he's going to hell. That lady, she is all dirty and looks like a wreck. She must be a sinful woman. She's going to hell. And that's, that's how our culture does. That's how we do. We look down on the poor. We judge them. We, we assign sins to them that we don't even know that they're committing. But we figure they must be doing that. They must be a heroin addict because otherwise they wouldn't be so skinny. Going to hell. We don't say that last part, but we think it in our hearts. You know, we don't, we don't say that out loud. The meek shall obtain fresh joy in the Lord when the Messiah comes. The poor among mankind shall exult in the Holy One of Israel. The ruthless will come to nothing. The scoffer will cease. All who watch to do evil will be cut off. Those who by a word make a man out to be an offender. Say that, just think that through real slow. The people who with a single word make a person out to be an offender. That's, that guy is evil. That guy's messed up. I just made that guy an offender with a word. Those, are going to, those people are going to be cut off. The people who with the word make a, a man out to be an offender, they lay a snare for him who approves in the gate, and with an empty plea turn aside him who is in the right. People that, that honestly... Uh, there's a guy... Came up to my car as I was leaving work one day. And he's like, hey, you got a few bucks? And I was like, no, but the rescue mission serves dinner at 5.30. I don't care about no rescue mission. I started yelling at me. He was not very happy. that. And then I thought, you know, it's 5.40. It's going to take him 20 minutes to walk there. And they do quit serving food then. And they won't serve him food because it'll be closed. And I thought, no wonder he got mad at me. Because if I gave him five bucks, he can make it to McDonald's faster, and they're open. But here I was, you know, and that may have all been true. He might have been going to take that five bucks to get whiskey or something. But I was, I was judging him, you know. I was making all of his rules and decisions for him in my head. Isaiah said, when the Messiah comes, all this is going to change. 
And so if you were the powerful religious leaders that justifiably had good reasons for not feeding these poor people and justifiably had good reasons to judge these people, if you heard that when the Messiah comes, the deaf are going to hear, the blind are going to receive their sight, and everybody that judged wrongly with greed is going to get cut off. Right? So, store that. Then jump over to Isaiah 42. Isaiah chapter 42, verse 1. Behold, my servant whom I uphold, my chosen one in whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him, and he will bring forth justice to the nations. All right, that much is awesome. If we're a bunch of Jewish leaders and we are super rich from all the money we've extorted from poor people and their taxes, and we hate Rome because then Rome... You know how uh, every bully bullies because the bully was bullied? Right? The Jewish leaders in the time of Jesus bullied the people because they were bullied by the Romans. And so the Romans would bully the Jewish leaders, the Jewish leaders would bully the people, and this whole hierarchy went on. But when God's chosen servant, the one he puts his spirit upon, he's going to bring justice. And what does that middle bully want? The middle bully wants justice against the higher-ups, but he doesn't really want bully against the people he's bullying, right? That's where the Jewish leaders were at that time. Justice! Overthrow Rome so we can really be in power. I've put my spirit upon him. He'll bring forth justice to the nations. He will not cry aloud or lift up his voice or make it heard in the street. A bruised reed he will not break and a faintly burning wick he will not quench. He is not going to be obnoxious. He's not going to be an aggressor. He will faithfully bring forth justice. He will not grow faint or be discouraged until he has established justice in the earth and in the coastlands wait for his law. As discouraged as we can be when we see horrible stuff happening, when we see injustice happening, when we see people getting ripped off, the Lord is not discouraged. The Lord is not giving up and he is still pursuing and still working he will not faint grow faint or be discouraged thus says the lord god who created the heavens stretched them out he spread out the earth and everything that comes from it he gives breath to the people on it and the spirit to those who walk on it i am the lord i have called you in righteousness i will take you by the hand and i will keep you i will give you as a covenant for the people. Oh, wait a minute. So that wasn't about us. That was about God's chosen servant. So then whenever that something like that happens, you've got to go back and read it. Okay, this is about God's chosen servant. I'm the Lord. I've called you in righteousness. I will take you by the hand and I will keep you. I will give you as a covenant for the people, a light for the nation's to open the eyes that are blind, to bring out the prisoners from the dungeon, from the prison, those who sit in darkness. Whoa, 
God's chosen servant is going to bring people out of their imprisonment. He's going to open eyes that are blind and help them to see things. I am the Lord, that is my name. My glory I give to no other, nor my praise to carved idols. Behold, the former things have come to pass, and new things I now declare. Before they spring forth, I tell you of them. So this is Isaiah saying what the Lord's anointed one is going to do, how everything's going to change, how everything's going to be turned upside down. Get ready. And then the people wait, and they go to Babylon. They come back from Babylon. You have the whole book of Ezra. And uh, you have the whole book of Esther, then you have the whole book of Ezra, then you have the whole book of Nehemiah. They come back, the temple's rededicated. You have another few hundred years go by. The Maccabeans vote, you have Hanukkah, all that party. Another hundred years go by. No Messiah, no Messiah. And then one day, John 9. So, John 9. Jesus is walking along. All this time has gone past. When will we ever have a Messiah? When will justice be done? When will the world be saved? Jesus saw a man blind from birth, and his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, to make him be born blind? Jesus answered, It was not this, that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. See, they, wanted, they, they are asking, this is not, there's other times where they ask Jesus questions and they're trying to trap him. This is a legitimate, sincere question. Who committed the sin? This man or his parents? Because they think that if you sin, bad things happen to you. And if a bad thing happened to you, you must have sinned. This is the whole book of Job, right? Bildad, Eli, what, I forget their names. Eliphaz, Bildad, and Elihu, and the other guy that gets named at the end. They're all like, Job, all this happened to you because you're wicked. You need to repent. And Job's like, I'm not wicked. I don't know why this happened to me. I want to talk to God about it. They all thought that guy is standing on the street corner because he did wrong. That bad car wreck happened to that guy because he was late for church. That bad thing happened because that's what they thought. Well, they had a little bit to go off of because that's what they were taught. And just for you this morning, I have 39, I'm only going to read 39 of them, laws about the Sabbath. Okay? So these are things that are prohibited on the Sabbath. You can't sow, like uh, put seed in the ground. No sowing, no plowing, no reaping, no binding sheaves, no threshing, no winnowing, no sorting. When uh, you put Caleb's socks out next to Levi's socks, next to Grace's socks, we need to ask you to leave. Where was I? Sorting. 
grinding, sifting, kneading, baking. Uh, Isaac, you made eggs this morning. Um, that's kind of like baking. Shearing wool, whitening wool, combing wool, dyeing wool, spinning wool, weaving wool, making two loops, weaving two threads, separating two threads, tying a knot. You guys, I sinned right up here during offering and tied my shoe. That knot. Somebody needs to preach. You can't untie a knot. That's as bad as tying a knot. You can't sew two stitches. You can't tear for the purpose of sewing two stitches. You can't hunt a deer, slaughter it, skin it, salt it, cure it, scrape it, or cut it. You cannot write two letters. I saw you taking notes. You've got all kinds of marks against you today. Uh, you cannot erase letters for the purpose of writing two letters. Uh, you can't build anything. You can't demolish anything. You can't put out a fire. Just hope the church never catches on fire on a Sunday. Serious. You can't light a flame. I got another strike against me. You can't hit anything with a hammer. You can't carry anything from one house to another. And that's the 39. And then after that 39, they have like a bonus. You can't carry a piece of leather that's big enough, that's the size of an, an amulet on a necklace. If you carry a piece of leather bigger than that, you've broken the law. You can't carry a piece of paper. Mike's making us all sin. Um, big enough, the smallest, the smallest piece of paper you can carry has to be smaller than the ability to write, Hear, O Israel. So if you can write that on the piece of paper, the paper's too big. And you can't, like this is the olden days when they had ink, you can't carry more ink than it would take to write two letters. So if you could write two letters with it, that's too much ink to carry. Okay, I make jokes about that, but that was the life they lived, you guys. That is how intense it was. And every day that somebody broke one of those laws, that, that was just for the Sabbath. So when Monday comes, you can carry like three drops of ink. Uh, you couldn't eat, you couldn't carry any food with you that was bigger than an, a dried apricot. Or a dried fig. Any other day of the week, you could do all. You could do all. You could go nuts. You could carry two figs. But on the Sabbath, keep it holy. Don't do any of this work. Nothing. And so they thought that if you did something, if you broke one of these laws, something bad would happen to you. And so their question: Who sinned? Did this man sin, or did his parents sin? was a real sincere question. Because that's the kind of stuff. So I want you just to imagine living life afraid of sin. Afraid of, if I do this wrong, something bad will happen to me. And the sad reality is that's how, that's how we've been taught for a long time. The church has really 
um, church history got really wrapped up in legalism and and you better do right, you better do good, and it's all about doing right and uh, memorize the Ten Commandments and you and and Ten Commandment number four is remember the Sabbath and keep it holy and you better wear a tie to church and uh, you better wear your good shoes. I mean, just rule, 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 stack, 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 law, 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 and if not, you know. Drives me nuts when I hear that song, Be careful, little children, what you hear. It's just like, are we all Jewish? Are we all afraid of the law? Have we not been saved? Have our sins not been forgiven? Um, So that's where they live. So they ask, who sinned this man? Because they believe that you can even sin in the womb. How's that for complicated? Jesus blows all that out of the water. He doesn't spend any time worrying about it. He doesn't spend any time in depth explaining it. He says, this happened for the glory of God. This happened that the works of, his, of God might be displayed in Him. I saw, we have so much trouble grasping this. There's a Bible commentary. Okay, so it says, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents? Jesus answered, it was not that this man sinned or his parents. Bible commentary said, Jesus is not calling these people holy and sinless. They were still sinners. I was like, they just, like even a church, even a Bible commentary, we can't let go of counting sins, right? Jesus says that the works of God might be displayed. We must work the works of Him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I'm in the world, I'm the light of the world. So yesterday, we're, uh, I'm out with a bunch of buddies and we're putting a roof on a guy's house. And we're putting the roof on and we're measuring and we're putting the weather, stripping tar paper stuff down. And it's not long enough. And we're standing there and, and he's trying to do his math and he's got his phone out. He's doing all this calculating. And he realizes that he measured the roof from the inside of the house, not the outside of the house. And that the house, by some strange miracle of math, one side of the roof is two feet longer than the other side of the roof. We actually measured that and that was true. This it's an old cabin. It's not square. The whole roof is a parallelogram. And we didn't have enough shingles for the porch. We just had shingles for the house, not the porch. He's, the other thing is the sun goes down at like 3.30 in the afternoon. And it's pitch dark. And we're racing. It's 36 degrees. And we're roofing. And we got to get it done. we got to hurry. Honestly, he spent about 30 seconds trying to figure out what went wrong, why it happened. And as soon as he just got enough information that he needed, we moved on and we didn't stop and we kept going and we kept roofing. He's like, okay, we're going to go get new shingles. The place opens on Monday. We'll get this. We'll get this. We can get it weatherproof by this time. He didn't waste any time sitting down on the roof. And going, oh, why did I do math wrong? Why did I measure it this way? Why did I measure that wrong? What? He moved on. And every one of us was suddenly 
We couldn't spend any time telling him, you did the math. No, everybody knows you don't measure a roof by the inside of the roof. You measure the roof by the outside of the roof. None of us had any time to do that because we were back to work. Boom, go. I think this little scene is a really good picture for us of how Jesus handled why did this happen? Why did this happen? You know what? It happened for the glory of God. And as long as we are able to, as long as we've got daylight to do work, we need to do it. Jesus doesn't discount. He doesn't say that's a stupid question. He doesn't say, um, you know, I'm not even going to answer that. He says, hey, look, we got to do good work. And this happened for the glory of God. And we're going to use it for the glory of God. Watch. That's a great question. Watch. This comes up in our house all the time. It came up last night. Getting ready to go. We're going to go have dinner with a bunch of friends. Hey, guys, we need to take a pen with us when we go. Why do we need to take a pen? Okay, we can either explain everything why we need to take a pen, or we can go and be there and experience whatever we're going to do with the pen. We don't know what it is. I know that's a little tiny thing, but there's a, I, think, I think God looks at us the same way, right? God, why did this happen? You know what? We can sit here and we can worry about why, or you can come with me and let's watch and see what we're going to do with it. I, I think about every time you get that tax thing on your mortgage that says your taxes were paid and all that business, and, and I, I look at my house and I look at my kids and the joy that they have, and I think it would be so wrong for me to explain to Caleb, age eight, escrow and property tax. And put that burden on him. Put that burden of knowledge on him, even if he can't do anything about it. And I think there's a lot of times God spares us the burden of knowledge about things because he's busy. He He wants us to do stuff with him. Come on, watch this. We must work the works of him who sent me while it's day. Night is coming when no one can work. Night's coming. You know what? There's a time you're going to know everything. I'll explain everything and the work will be done right now. Let's do stuff. As long as I'm in the world, I'm the light of the world. Having said these things, he spit on the ground and made mud with the saliva. Then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud and said to him, go wash in the pool of Siloam, which means sent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. So the guy's blind. All he's ever been is blind. He's never seen a thing. Ever. Jesus makes mud. Rubs it on his eyes. Tells him, go wash in this pool. What's the next thing he has to do? He has to ask somebody to help him get to that pool. He might know his way. He might know like landmarks and things. He might know how to get around. Um, I think I've talked about the blind guy that I knew that would walk up and down Main Street. And he always knew where he was because the sound of the, the stops of the bus and where the bus would stop and different things. He, he might know. But he basically doesn't know what Jesus looks like. And he goes and he washes in the pool of Siloam. The neighbors and those who had seen him before... As a beggar, they said, is this the man who used to sit and beg? Some said, it's him. Others said, no, but he looks like him. 
And he kept saying, I'm the man. It was me. So they said to him, how were your eyes opened? He said, the man called Jesus made mud, anointed my eyes and said to me, go to Siloam and wash. So I went and I washed and I received my sight. They said to him, where is he? He said, I don't know. I don't know what he looks like. Basically, right? He doesn't have a clue. All right, so I got to do a little aside. So when Jesus heals people, he heals them. And there are people that are lame. They get healed and they stand up and they walk and they dance and they celebrate, right? Any of our modern medicine stuff would say, even if you get healed, you need to go through six weeks of occupational therapy, right? You're not just going to walk and dance. There are um, some modern, modern stories of people that were born blind, never saw anything, as adults had surgery and had their, eye, their vision corrected and stuff rebuilt and all that. I don't know how all that works. And they could see. And they were so overwhelmed. Because, I mean, even sensory, right? If you're just listening, you can hear a whole bunch of things. But think about visually... They were overwhelmed with everything that they could see. And they needed to live in like all white rooms and, and real plain everything because stuff was so visually stimulating. It was too much for them at first till they got used to it. Jesus heals this guy and he immediately makes his mind right that he can handle being able to see. Isn't that wild to think about? To think... He completely healed this guy. This guy is completely restored. They brought to the Pharisees the man who had formerly been blind. Now, it was a Sabbath day when Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes. Oh, snap. So not only did this guy get healed... But Jesus did it with mud. There's all, this is the only person Jesus heals anything like this. Usually he tells people you're healed. Usually he, he lays hands on them and they're healed. He told Lazarus, just, he just shouted to Lazarus, come out. Lazarus walked out by himself. Jesus, that stinker on the Sabbath day, mixes and kneads and makes mud. So the Pharisees again asked him how he had received his sight. Wait a minute, wait, how did, how did he do this? And he said to them, he put mud on my eyes and I washed and I see. Some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others said, how can a man who is a sinner do such things? And there is division among them. So they said again to the blind man, what do you say about him since he has opened your eyes? And the man said, he is a prophet. That means he's somebody that God sent. God sent this guy. It goes through this big, long thing. They call the guy's parents in. And they want to know, is this your son? Yes. Was he born blind? Yes. Did Jesus make mud and heal him? And they are afraid. 
Because anybody that recognizes that Jesus is from God gets kicked out of the church. Kicked out of the synagogue. You can't be here. And they're so afraid that they say, we know this is our son. We know he was born blind. But how he now sees, we don't know. And we don't know how he, who opened his eyes. Ask him. He is of age. He's an adult. He will speak for himself. Basically, they said, we don't know how to get out of this. But one way is to throw our son under the bus. Because maybe you'll kick him out and let us stay. And remember, all that law stuff I said, you're only getting to heaven. You're only going to be with God if you're part of the synagogue. If you're kicked out, it's like all this controversy they have about um, when um, every once in a while the Catholic Church like says who they're going to give communion to and who they're not going to give communion to. And everybody freaks out like it's a big deal because if you're, re- if you're, if you're uh, rejected and you're not allowed communion, they're basically saying you're going to hell. You're, you, you aren't in heaven. It's the same kind of thing here. If you, you'll be put out of the synagogue if you believe in Jesus. So this guy, super genius, just going to say, the second time they called him in, they said, give glory to God. We know this man's a sinner. We know Jesus is a sinner because he made mud on the Sabbath. The guy says, whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. I am not. I did not go to Bible college. I do not have a theology degree, but I know I was blind and now I see. The other funny thing about this whole deal is, and I think I I might have said this before too, uh, these guys taught that when the Messiah would come, right? Isaiah 29, Isaiah 42, the blind are going to receive their sight. There were people who had been blind and were healed of their, or had, had vision, went blind, and then received their sight back and had been healed. But they said, the Jewish leader said that only the Messiah can heal a man